All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that it is living, it's active, it's got the power to change us. God, we just thank you, Lord, for family. Lord, we thank you, God, that we're a family, that we can have fun together, Lord, but also that we can grow together and that we can be sent out together to be a, a blessing to the nations. I pray that you anoint your word today and that you make it transformative, that it would transform us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Uh, we're in our second uh, week of our series entitled Culture Shift. Uh, we're talking about how, as believers, we are not con called to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We're not called to conform to the ideologies, the patterns, the philosophies of this world. No, 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 we're kingdom people. We're called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and as Pastor Don said last week, you know, it's not just that Christians are called to do the work of shifting culture. We are the culture shift. That's who we are as believers. That's the mission that God gave us from the before the beginning. We are the culture shift. And that's what I want to talk about today. How the mission for God's people for all of time has always been to shift culture. I remember when I was young, we used to play a game called Spotlight. Does anyone know what Spotlight is? Simple game. All you need for Spotlight is night, like the dark, a flashlight, and a group of kids. And it's real simple. The person who's it has the flashlight. They count. Everyone goes off and hides. And if you get caught in the beam of the flashlight, like you're the next person who was it. And when I was young, I loved Spotlight. I thought Spotlight was hilarious. We used to play it around the house and all the cousins would go out and we'd play Spotlight. And I remember when I turned 18, I felt nostalgic. Me and my group of friends, we felt nostalgic. And so we decided that we would play Spotlight again. Don't judge. I know we were 18 to play Spotlight, but we decided to make it a little more hardcore. And so uh, we went up to Point View Reserve. How many people know Point View Reserve? You might have done the stairs up on Point View Reserve. And we decided to make it a little more hardcore by doing it like out in nature. And so I was excited. I was pumped. We all, uh, they counted, we all ran off and hid. And when I ran off and hid in the bushes, I suddenly got the revelation that I was playing Spotlight at Point View Reserve. And uh, it was scary to me. Uh, it was dark, the wind was going through the trees, there was forest behind me, and I thought, I'm hiding from the person who's it, but who could be hiding from me? And I became uh, convinced that this was the moment that I was to be murdered. This was my moment. Uh, and so I suddenly, I was like, I need to get some company. I need to get some backup. And so I ran and I found someone and we started to hide together. But my fear was stronger than her bravery. And so I, my fear rubbed off on her and all of a sudden we're both freaking out. Now I'm not just alone at Point View Reserve. I'm like, I'm joined in my fear by this other person. And so we reversed the rules of Spotlight. Instead of running away from the Spotlight, I was now running to the Spotlight. I was running desperately towards that beam of light. And when I finally found it, the relief was immense. And I thank God for it because isn't it just a great revelation? As believers, we are called to be the flashlight at night so that anyone who is scared or isolated or broken knows where to run in order to be safe. We are believers empowered by the Spirit of God, carrying the gospel of Christ to the nations so that they may be blessed. That is the mission of 
of God's people. Come on, somebody. We are the culture shift. See, I wanted to say today that this mission to be a blessing to the nations, to be a light to the nations, was in the Bible from the very beginning. This is what it says in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And listen, if you were wondering what the purpose of mankind is on earth, go no further than Genesis 1. This is a fundamentally crucial passage to who we are as humanity. And this is what it says. It said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Friend, our mission was to be the image of God, to represent God's nature and character to creation, to rule with God in love and mercy and peace. We were meant to be a channel of God's blessing to creation. That is why we are here. That's a high call. But man fell. Man chose to disobey God. He chose to not be in God's image. In other words, man chose to be less than what God created him to be. And man's fall is continued throughout Genesis 2 to 10. In fact, if you were to subtitle Genesis 2 to 10, it would be from bad to worse. It goes from the fall to Cain and Abel to the flood to the Tower of Babel. Bad, 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 and worse. And so because of this, Genesis 12 forms a critical hinge point in the biblical narrative. Because here is man that God has created to be in his image. Man he has created to co-partner with him in the ruling of creation. But man is disobedient. Man is unrepentant. Man continues to say, no, no, no. What will God do? Does the mission change? In that moment, God decides that he will restart the divine program. And essentially what God is saying in Genesis 12 is that his mission has not changed that he still desires men to bear his image. And he does this through calling one man, Abraham, who will become one family, who will become one nation. This is what it says in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, excuse me, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. This is what God is saying to Abraham. Say, remember how I said that I'd bless you? I'm still gonna bless you. Remember how I said that I was gonna multiply you? I'm still gonna multiply you. 
Remember how I said that I was going to use you to be a blessing to creation, to the nations? That's still my plan. That's still what I want to do. The only difference is now the Genesis 1 world that was perfect is now a Genesis 12 world that is broken, that is corrupted by sin. And so when God says, I'm going to use the nations, I'm going to use you as to be a blessing to the nations, what he's really saying is I'm going to use you to reverse the curse. Friend, did you know today that your mission is to reverse the curse? That you and I are created to be a channel through whom God blesses the nations. We are created to reverse the curse of sin that is upon the earth. And God repeats this mission to Abraham several times in his lifetime, but One time I want to point out to you, Genesis 15, it says that God took him outside and said to him, look up, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. See, God's people are meant to stand out from the world as stars stand out against the backdrop of night. You and I were created to bless the nations. We were created to reverse the curse. That is the mission of God's people, friends. That's why we're here. There's a couple of observations I want to make to you about this story. Firstly, did you notice that the vehicle that God chose to bless the nations The vehicle that God chooses to reverse the curse is a family. The vehicle that God uses to bless the nations is a family. Friends, mission is a family-run business. And you need to know today that God is still using a family to fulfill his mission. How many people know that we were We are Abraham's seed, is according to the promise. You need to know today that mission is the family business. When we talk about the mission of God, friends, it's a family thing. We go together. We do the work of the mission together. This isn't about a few exalted individuals. This isn't about the gifted one or two. Friends, let me hear you say it. Mission is a family business. We do this thing together. Firstly, mission was completed through a family. Secondly, it was always to the nations. The mission of God was always through a family and to the nations. Now, hear me today. So often when we start to unpack the Bible, we say things like the Old Testament was about law and the New Testament is about grace. Or we say the Old Testament was about Israel, hello, and the New Testament is about the nations. Friend, that's not true. There is one biblical story, one biblical narrative. It is telling the same absolute mission. The Old Testament, you've got to understand, is just about nations as the New Testament is. You can see it right here. See, God's plan was always to bless the nations. In the Old Testament, he was doing it through the vehicle of Israel, but it was always through Israel to the nations. Nations is an idea that is conceived in the Old Testament and realized in the New Testament and outworked today in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Come on, somebody. 
I need you to understand this today because you need to realize that you and I stand in continuity with the biblical story. We stand in the same lineage as Abraham, Moses, as Joseph, as Gideon, as Joshua, as David, as Jeremiah. This is our lineage as we stand in the same lineage as Peter, as James, and as John. One biblical mission, one biblical story that was begun all the way when God calls Abraham outside of his tent. See, we were always meant to go to the nations. I'm going to give you another one. His plan was always to bless nations. That's always been the biblical story. And friend, it was always grounded in grace. See, so often we say that Old Testament is about law and New Testament is about grace. Friend, the Old Testament is just as grounded in grace as the New Testament is. There is a biblical pattern actually which Jake referenced earlier called grace faith, and obedience. This is the idea that God chooses you in grace, not of your works, not of yourself, not of your own worthiness, righteousness, or goodness. God chooses you because he wants to. Let that sink in for just one second. God chooses you because he wants to. Full stop, the end. God chooses you because he wants you. That's grace. We respond to that grace in faith. And our faith is outworked in our obedience. Now, it's very easy for us to think that that is a New Testament pattern, especially because of that scripture that Jake used just then. I feel like he read my message notes to say that scripture, preach the whole message in one moment. But the reality is we see this pattern of grace, faith, and obedience outworked in the life of Abraham. Do you know the biblical text never says... And God saw that Abraham was particularly righteous, and so he chose him to start his nation. Do you know the only introduction that we're given to Abraham before God calls him is a genealogy? No, Abraham was a good guy. No, Abraham was particularly worthy. No, Abraham stood out amongst the people of the earth, and so God selected him. No, actually, the only time it talks about Abraham's righteousness, it's because of his faith. Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You need to understand today that the moment that this family of faith began, it was an act of grace, not an act of righteousness works, not an act of inherent goodness. God chooses by grace. We respond in faith and we outwork that in obedience. That, friends, is a biblical pattern. And I need you to understand that today because you need to realize that God commands. He only ever gives us commandments in the context of grace. He only ever commands us within the wider context of the fact that he has already chosen us, already made us his own, already died for us, already made us his children. Commands are only ever given within the wider context of faith. This is important because I don't want you this morning to cop an attitude towards God. Have you ever noticed that if a new boss comes in to your workplace and they start ordering you round and they start telling you that you're not good enough, how quickly you cop an attitude about it. How dare they say that to me? They don't even know me. They haven't even bought me coffee and they're telling me what to do. Why? Because there's something about our flesh, our nature that needs commands to happen within the context of relationship. And I don't want you to misunderstand the nature of God this morning. He only ever gives commands within the umbrella of grace. 
The fact that he's already called you, already chosen you, already wanted you, already made you his own, that is the context in which he asks for obedience in. Law and grace, friends, they fit into two parts of the same story. This is an important truth to lay hold of this morning because this is the part that I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to make you see that keeping the law, keeping commands, being obedient, friend, that is not about how you become God's people. It's not about how God makes us his people because he's already done that. He's already selected us. He's already extended grace to us, already made us his own as we respond in faith to him. You need to get this today. Obedience isn't about us becoming God's people. It's about us being a light to the nations. Obedience isn't about us becoming God's people. It's about us being a light to the nations. Obedience is from God for the nations as I respond to his grace, the fact that he has called me, the fact that he has chosen me, the fact that he loves me, I respond in faith to him and the obedience that that outworks that is how I am a light to the nations. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Your obedience is about your Christian mission. Our obedience to God's command is about our mission. It's how we respond to God and reach the nations. Church, hear me today. Obedience to God's commands is essential to mission. Your Christian character is your mission. Your Christian lifestyle is your mission. Your Christian ethic is your mission. It's how we become a light to the nations. It's how we bless them. In fact, Christopher Wright, a famous theologian, says this. He says, there is no Christian mission without Christian ethics. There is no Christian mission without Christian lifestyle. There's no Christian mission without Christian obedience. There is no Christian mission without Christian character. See, so often we think of mission as a doing thing, as something that we need to do. Friend, the message of the mission of God is quite different. The the mission isn't about your doing. Friend, the message is that the mission is about your being. You are the mission. When it comes to Christian mission, friend, your be is your do. You are the star that shines against the backdrop of night. You are the flashlight that the world runs to. You are the light that the world is looking for. Friend, your very life is the Christian mission. When it comes to mission, your be is your do. The reality is this, church, we could put on service after service after service, but if we were not a holy and distinct people, then we would not reflect a holy and distinct God. When God says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy, it's talking about our distinctness, that in order for us to witness to the world, we got to be distinct from the world. We can't look like the world. We can't reflect the world. We must be of a different nature and a character. Why? Because we serve a holy God. Therefore, we must be a holy people. There is no mission without 
chapter. You are the mission. When it comes to mission, your be is your do. This is what it says in Philippians. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You see, friends, this is all reflected back in the New Testament story. The fascinating thing, if you really read the letters of the Apostle Paul when he writes to places like Philippi, Ephesus, Colossae, when he writes to these places, you never see him write things like this. You never hear him say, Philippi, do more soup kitchens. You never hear him say, Rome, your outreach is terrible, try again. You never hear him say, Philippi, the food bank needs work. You never hear him address outreach programs and social welfare programs. And yet you need to understand that overwhelmingly, those were the things that the early church was known for. They were known for their evangelism. They were known for their looking after the communities that they were part of. That was the nature of the early church. And yet they're never told to do it. Overwhelmingly, the message of Paul's letters is simply this. Be who you are in Christ. And friends, as you be, how many people know then you do? See, you and I were created to shine like stars against the backdrop of night. Hear me today. We were called to shine like righteousness against a backdrop of sin. We were called to shine like love against a backdrop of hate. We were called to shine like unity against a backdrop of division. We were called to shine like peace against a backdrop of anxiety. We were called to shine like joy against a backdrop of depression. We were called to shine like healing against a backdrop of brokenness. Friend, that is why we are here, not to be marked by our do, but by our be to be transformed, that we may shine like stars among this community to the glory of his name. If the band would like to join me. You and I were created to shine like stars against the backdrop of night. And, you know, it's amazing because if you read, if you read the New Testament letters, you will find that Paul always has the same message which he always adjusts to the context that he's writing in. So to the Ephesians in Ephesus, Ephesus was a place where uh, there was a temple uh, called the Temple of Artemis. It was a strong uh, center of idol worship, demonic idol worship. And to the people in Ephesus, he says, be who you are in Christ. And this is how you should be who you are in Christ in Ephesus. You should Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You should put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes for your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realm. What he's saying, he's saying, be who you are in Christ. And as you do so, be in opposition to the culture that you find yourself in. To the believers in Crete where he wrote Titus, Crete was such a wicked place that the word Cretan became slang for an exceedingly wicked, evil person. 
to the believers in Crete, he, he encouraged them, don't engage in immoral behavior. He urged them to be self-controlled and to show integrity. What is he saying? He's saying, in Crete, be who you are in Christ. And as you are, be in opposition to the culture that you find yourself in. To Philippi, which was a Roman colony, entrenched in Roman customs. He writes to them, don't conduct yourself as citizens of Rome. No, be in opposition to that. Be a citizen of heaven. You need to understand that if we are going to be the church that our community needs us to be, then that's going to demand that we be in opposition to some of the brokenness that is endemic here. I want to ask you this this morning. In 2021, who do we need to be to reach the community of Manurewa? What type of church do we need to be to move in opposition to the brokenness here? Because honestly, I'm concerned about this community and us being a light in this soil. I want our church to shine against the backdrop of this night. And if that's going to happen, the question isn't what does the church need to do? The question is who does the church need to be? Who do we need to be? You know, if you ever fly on a long-haul flight and at night you fly over cities and you notice that one solitary light doesn't make much of a difference, but then you fly over a city and you see lots of different lights shining together and, friends, the vitality and the vibrancy, it breaks the night. I'm interested that when God took Abraham out of the tent, and he directed his attention to the heavens. He didn't point out a single solitary star. He showed him a sky full of stars. Because the family of God were meant to shine together. I pray tonight that you would walk outside your house that you would lift your eyes to the heavens and that you would give witness to a sky full of stars that displays the mission of God's family to reach and bless the nations. I pray that you'd look up and say, there's Abraham, there's Moses, there is Joshua, there's Peter, there's James, there's John, there's Nikki, there's Iris, there's Erin, there's Crystal, there's Esmeralda, there's Cheryl. I pray that you look up and find yourself shining amongst the great heroes of the faith because it was never about the individual. It was never about the solitary star. Friend, you and I aren't created to be a star. 
we are created to be a sky full of stars. And I pray that as we shine against the backdrop of the night that we find ourselves in, that we would be a blessing to the nations, a family of God created to do what the family of God was always meant to do. Reverse the curse. Bless the nations. With every eye closed and every head bowed. Grace came to humanity in the form of a man. His name was Jesus. The Bible says of Jesus that even while people were still enemies with him, that he died for the sins of many. Before you knew Jesus, knew of his name, Jesus died for your sin. That's grace. So that you could have the life that you were created to have. A life of peace, a life of hope, eternity, and purpose for the here and now. Today, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to respond to that grace with faith, I want to give you an opportunity. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you're saying, I want to make that decision today, raise your hand. If you're saying, I want to respond to that grace with faith. One, two, three. Thank you, God bless you. 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 Awesome. Is there anyone else who wants to make that decision today? It's not too late to pop up your hand. Awesome. Church, repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a saviour. Today, I give my life to Jesus, holding nothing back. I turn from sin. I follow you. Thanks to you, I'm free in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you, church.